Welcome everyone and thank you so much for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection for April 5th, 2023. Please remember, I always encourage you to share the good news of God's Word because I truly believe that whenever it is sent out, it never returns empty. I also want to share with you that I am truly humbled to be able to share God's Word with you every Wednesday. This podcast today marks the 160th in a row. Every Wednesday since COVID temporarily shut down in-person Bible study. I'm going to take a break next week, but I promise I will return the following Wednesday. God bless each one of you, and I wish you and your family and all of your friends a wonderful Easter as we all celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God, you are our strength and defense, and through your Son, Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven our sins. Let us shout for joy at the victory you won over death when you raised your Son, and in turn gave all who believe in him eternal life through our resurrection. We lift up this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about a Greek word, evangelion. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Well, it's, it's the word that's used for gospel. And it occurs a lot in the New Testament. And the definition I got from the Lexham Theological Word Book, and yes, there is such a thing, goes like this. <clears throat> a gospel is an announcement of good news. In particular, the gospel is announcement of the, that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection have brought about salvation for Israel and the world. The kingdom that Jesus was ushering in was definitely countercultural and upside down compared to the existing culture at the time of his arrival. It was not viewed as good news to everyone. Now you might ask, why in the world would good news not be good news? Well, it was especially offensive to the prevailing religious sects, such as the Pharisees and Sadducees, once they determined that Jesus was not going away, they had to figure out a way to deal with him. From the beginning of their serious opposition, the religious leaders saw only one course of action, to prevent him from furthering his counterintuitive way of kingdom living. Want to guess what that course of action was? Yep, to kill him. And in essence, kill the gospel, translated as the good news. They were to learn later that the gospel would not and could not ever be stopped. In today's study, we will visit with Jesus and walk with him on the way to the cross, and we will see just how far the religious leaders were willing to go to shut him down. Remember the time that Jesus went to the synagogue in his hometown in Nazareth, and he got up and he read from the scroll of Isaiah. He told the attendees at the synagogue that day that the prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled, and then he sat down. 
he applied the prophecy to himself. He went on to say that no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Listen to Luke's testimony on what happened after Jesus got up and read from the scroll of Isaiah. This reading can be found in Luke chapter 4, verses 28 to 30. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Another story told in the book of Matthew has Jesus and his disciples walking through a grain field, picking grain on the Sabbath, which of course was forbidden on the Sabbath. Well, the Pharisees had a beef with him over this, and then in the same chapter, Matthew tells a story about healing in the synagogue. Do you care to guess what their response was? Well, you will definitely see a theme or a pattern developing. This next testimony comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. Going on from that place, that was when they were picking grain, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you had a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Jesus challenged their traditions by showing that his disciples were not breaking God's law by picking grain as they walked through a field. He provided further evidence that his challenge of their traditions was right by healing a man's hand on the Sabbath. The Pharisees were so in love with their traditions that they began to plot how to destroy Jesus after he healed the man. And in Mark's account of this dust-up with the Pharisees, he even notes that the Pharisees were lining up with the Herodians. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. And that's Mark 3, 6. The Herodians were a Jewish political party that sympathized with the rulers of the Herodian dynasty, and therefore Rome. They are depicted as allied with the Pharisees against Jesus, in spite of the party's conflicting sympathies. Another story where Jesus was healing on the Sabbath is found in the book of John. There was a healing pool at one of the gates near Jerusalem, and the pool was called Bethsaida. There was a man that who had that had been infirmed for 38 years and was unable to walk. Jesus had compassion and mercy on him and healed him. The following is the response from the Jewish leaders. This reading comes from John chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. So, Jesus, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, 
the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus told the Pharisees that their traditions were not greater than God's authority. And he said that God was his father, which made him equal with God. This only made them want to kill him more. Once again, during the middle of a discussion, the Jews picked up stones to stone Jesus to death. He asked them which good work from the Father they were going to kill him for. Our next reading comes from the book of John, chapter 10, verses 22 to 33. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon colonnade. The Jews were there gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. So we finally arrive at the temple in Jerusalem where Jesus has basically had enough. When Jesus arrived in Jerusalem before his crucifixion, he went into the temple and drove out the merchants selling animals. These merchants were taking advantage of people by charging exorbitant amounts. Not only were the leaders of the people robbing the people financially, but they were also robbing them spiritually. So Jesus taught every day in the temple. The leaders of the temple wanted to destroy Jesus, but they could not because of the crowds of people gathered around Jesus listening to him. Our next reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 11, verses 15 to 18. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priest and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. 
This is what you might say was the straw that broke the camel's back. Judas betrayed him. He was arrested. There was a mock trial with much false testimony. There was a demand that he be crucified, and he was. A sad story? Yes, very sad if it stopped here, but it didn't. In order to fulfill the prophecy found in the scripture of the Old Testament, God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 Here's a great quote from George Herbert, who was born in the late 16th century. He was a poet and a priest. And I quote, Death used to be an executioner, but the gospel has made him just a gardener, end quote. You know, especially at Easter, we're reminded of where our hope is. We should actually celebrate this hope every day. Our hope is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus, the Son of God, and the promise that we also will be resurrected. Thanks be to God, the gospel cannot be stopped even by death. Let us pray. Most gracious and merciful God, as our Lenten journey comes to a triumphant end on Easter morning, let us remember that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Lord, you did this, and it is certainly marvelous in our eyes. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Thank you for your mercy and your grace, and out of that mercy and grace, we have assurance that the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, will shine on us forever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, serve the Lord.